Matthew 7, 1 through 5, this is uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, it is the conclusion of that. It's toward the end of that sermon, and Jesus says, don't judge, do not judge. And then he turns right around in verse 6 and says, but you have to judge. Do not judge, but you have to judge. And so it looks like one of those inconsistencies, you know, that the Bible haters love to find and say, oh, it says one thing here and another thing there. Your Bible's inconsistent. Uh, it's got, uh, uh, um, it says one thing one way, turns around and says it another way, and they try to use that against us. But Jesus is actually uh, telling us there are two kinds of judgment. One of them is wrong, and one of them is right. And verses 1 through 5, Matthew 7, deal with the wrong way to judge. And verse 6 deals with the right way to judge. He tells us that we have to judge so that we don't waste our time sharing the gospel with the wrong people. And that doesn't sound very loving, does it? That doesn't sound very seeker-sensitive. But if you'll go back and listen to last Sunday's message, and you can do that online absolutely free, uh, we went into detail about that. Jesus actually says there is a time that you, that you don't share the gospel because it is like casting precious things, pearls to swine. It's like casting precious things, giving precious things to dogs. So the fact of the matter is that Jesus judged and Jesus evaluated and Jesus criticized and Jesus discerned. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 23, and we would have just asked you to study that on your own when you get home, he publicly unmasked the Pharisees and really strips them naked of all of their facades in Matthew 23. Uh, Jesus always judged with a righteous judgment, with a righteous judgment. And we're being taught here in this sermon series that it is possible for us to judge that way, and it is not only possible for us to judge righteously, but it is expected of us as followers of Jesus, to judge righteously. We're his followers, and we are to judge as he judged. So when Jesus said, judge not, when he said, don't judge, what is he talking about? And this is sort of a, 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 a summary of what we've already talked about in the other messages, but we're going to cover some new material, but, but I just want to summarize a little bit. When Jesus said, judge not, what was he saying? In verse 6, he says we need to discern, we need to judge, we need to evaluate. And then, but in verses 1 through 5, he says don't judge. So when he said don't judge, what was he talking about? He was talking about that ugly judgmental spirit. He was talking about that self-righteous, I'm better than everybody else. You remember that we talked about the Pharisee who was praying with the tax collector and he stood proudly with his nose in the air and said, God, I thank you that I am not, and I can almost see him point at the tax collector and go, God, I thank you I'm not like other men. So Jesus said, don't judge in that self-righteous way with a critical spirit. And what Jesus was really saying was, don't judge like the Pharisees. Jesus was saying, 
uh, not only the Pharisees, but there were other people back then who judged as well. So if you want to give an easy translation of Jesus' words in verse 1, he's saying, stop criticizing everybody and stop criticizing everything based on your personal standards. That's pretty straight up, isn't it? Stop criticizing everything. Stop criticizing everybody based on your standards. Jesus is talking about a personal critical spirit. Um, The Bible talks about this a lot. We could go into a lot of detail about this. But the Bible talks about a contentious spirit, a person who always wants to debate, always wants to argue. All, I mean, if you take one side, they're just automatically going to take the other side. The Bible describes that as a contentious spirit, somebody who wants to just find something wrong with everybody and find something wrong with everything. And Jesus said uh, that we are not to judge this, is, uh, this way. And I got to tell you, this is really where it gets real for us here in the bridge. And not just here in the bridge, but every local church, everywhere. Because folks, can I just say it straight up? The church is infested with that kind of spirit. The local church, many local churches are infested with that kind of spirit. Now, can we just be real honest here with each other today? We all battle that. We all battle that. You know, we don't drift toward finding the good. We drift toward finding the bad. I mean, it's just who we are. It's our human nature. And so that's why it's so important to wits. How many of y'all remember the wits t-shirts? And what does that mean? Walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so the lust of our flesh wants to criticize everything. The lust of our flesh wants to criticize, find something wrong, find fault, find something wrong with somebody. Jesus is saying that his Holy Spirit provides for us a power that we don't have to live in that bondage. Because not only is it bondage for the people we criticize and the situations we criticize and the people involved, when you've when you got a critical spirit, you're in bondage. You're in bondage. I mean, you, you sort of got that sour spirit, you know. You even wear it on your face, you know. You look like that person who was baptized in vinegar instead of a nice pool a clear pool of water. You look like you were baptized in lemon juice. You got, that, you got that sour spirit. You know, when David sinned with Bathsheba, he was very judgmental. Y'all remember that? You remember when David sinned with Bathsheba, he was very judgmental of everybody else. You remember how Nathan came and told him the story of the man who had thousands and thousands of sheep, but when the when the uh, uh, stranger stopped by his house for a meal, stopped by the ho- rich man's house for a meal, he went over to the poor guy's house who had only one little lamb and took his one little lamb and, and uh, butchered it and served it to the guest. And David jumped up off his throne, and buddy, he laid that guy out judgmental. I mean, laying him out. And Nathan said, and this was the first time it was ever said in all of history, you the man. You're that guy. You went and took Bathsheba. You're the king of Israel. Have anything you want, but you went and took another man's wife. And so when a lot of times a judgmental spirit will come from people who are trying to hide something. Can I preach like that? 
A lot of times when you hear somebody who's really, really, really critical and really, really, really judgmental, it's because they're trying to hide something. Now, I'm not trying to pick on your favorite preacher here today, but I'll never forget when, when Jim Baker messed up the way he did. Y'all, how many of y'all remember those days? Got some old people here. And then Jimmy Swaggart came out and was very, very vicious about what he had done. I'm not, you know, so I don't like Jimmy Swaggart. I'm not picking on, I'm just saying, I'm just saying a lot of times when a person is very, very, very judgmental of other people and you can just see, can I just, can I preach, can I get down in, can I get up in your wheelhouse today? It's on Facebook. People are, oh, man, they can talk all about, you know, boom, boom, boom. Be careful. Be careful because somebody might come under there and put, what you hiding? What you hiding? Be careful. Critical spirit often reveals that a person uses that to cover something they're hiding in their own life. Now, I know y'all didn't need that, but I got that second service coming in, and I'm going to need to tell them about that. So who are we? Who are any of us to just with a sour spirit, with a spirit that's not right with God? Remember, the Pharisees didn't even know God. They knew the Bible. They knew all the rules. They knew all the feasts. They knew all the, they knew all the rituals. They knew all, but they didn't know God. Do you understand you can be very, very, very religious and not know God? That will make you a sour, bitter person because when you do that, you're trying to live righteously in your own strength. And there's nothing more frustrating than trying to live righteously in your own strength because you can't do it. You keep trying and trying and trying, you keep failing. So who do we think we are to criticize other people when we aren't walking where we should be. We'll get back to wrong judgment in just a minute, but I want us to look quickly again at right judgment or righteous judgment. As followers of Jesus, we must judge. I want everybody to say must. We must judge. We must evaluate. We must, and there is a way to be critical in a positive way and a way to be critical in a very, very destructive way. If I am coaching a football team and a player is not handling his assignment well, I may be critical of how he's doing it, but I can do it in a way to help him be a better football player. Matter of fact, when I was in high school, I played football. A lot of y'all don't know, I played tailback. And every time I ran on the field, they told me to get my tailback on the bench. So... (laughs) So, so there is a good critical, and there is a bad critical. This man sitting right up here on the front row, John, have, have y'all seen his jewelry work? Have y'all seen the skills of this man? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, he, will, he will make you any kind of jewelry you want to make, unique to you, unique to your situation, Matter of fact, he's going to do some stuff for us here at the bridge. Uh, there'll be rings with my image on the ring. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, and then you can make little gorilla cookies, you know, just push it down in the. <laughs> but 
if John is mentoring somebody to, to, maybe he sees talent in somebody and he's mentoring them to do that kind of work, but they're not doing it right, there's a way for him to be critical of their work, but help them. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So when I say, when I say don't be critical and then turn around and tell you Jesus was critical, Jesus was always critical in a way to bring light, to bring help. So a person could see, oh, I've got to do that differently so I can be a better person. So I can receive God's best rewards. Look at Romans 16 and 17. We what? Must mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which we've learned. And not only do we mark them, but we... That, it's not very seeker-friendly right there, is it? So the Bible's telling us right there that yes, we're loving, yes, we're gracious, yes, we're non-judgmental in the sense of that Pharisee type of judgment, but we are also, um, we're also to be wise. We're also to be discerning. And Paul is very clear here that we mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. You know, if somebody were to come into our church and start saying, you know, Jesus is a way, but he's not the only way. And pastor, I'd like to do a series on Wednesday night on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to mark that guy. I'm going to love him, and I'm going to try to help him see the truth, but I'm going to mark him. And if he, if he um, can I use a southern term right here, bows up at me, if he, if he sticks his chest out and resists, See, if, I, if he comes to me and he's teaching this because he heard it on Oprah, then I've got to love him and say, look, let me, let me show you. You believe the Bible? Yes. You believe the Bible is absolute truth? Yes. You believe the Bible is inerrant and infallible? Yes, yes. Then let me show you what the Bible says about the Bible. Let me show you what the Bible says about the Bible. Let me show you what Jesus said about the Bible. Let me show you that the Bible teaches that there's not many ways to heaven, but there's what? One way, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to mark him, but I'm going to try to help him. But if he resists teaching, but continues to want to have influence in the church, how many of y'all know that as a senior pastor, i got to have some courage right here? i got to have some courage. Now, a lot of people would say, you're being judgmental. The world system would say, Pastor Farrell's being judgmental. That's judgmental. That's not judgmental. That's discerning. That's discerning. That is that shepherd heart of protection. Now, listen, i got to tell you something. In a sense, I'm an under-shepherd under the Lord Jesus, but I'm his little lamb too, and I need his protection. But as your senior pastor and as the staff of this church, we have a responsibility to make judgments. What kind? Righteous. And we, make, we have to mark them. Wow, I spit all over that screen. We have to mark them. 
And then if they, and then if they won't receive our, our teaching, then we have, to, we have to get them away from the sheep. All right? So we've got to make doctrinal distinctions. We've got to make a note of the people who offend true doctrine. We've got to avoid those people. And contrary to popular opinion, we cannot all just get along. We can't. As long as we live in this sinful world that is, that is cursed by sin, we're never going to all just get along. Doesn't mean you can't love everybody. But loving people and caring about people and wanting them to come to Jesus Christ is a whole different thing than going, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. Hope I'm making sense today. We have to make distinctions. And judgment like this must begin, says Peter, in the house of the Lord. Let's turn to John 7, 24. This is talking about that, um, you know, it, I mean, as a matter of fact, in John 7, 24, both kinds of judging are mentioned here. Really, really, this is the clearest verse if you want to show people who look at you and go, judge not, judge not. If you want to look at them and show them in the Bible where it says, you're right, I'm not supposed to judge in a certain way, but then I am supposed to judge in another way, here's your scripture right here. And I'm not trying to, I want you to get in debates with people. They're usually frivolous, uh, usually don't accomplish anything. Do not judge according, so that's the, this is the wrong kind, right? This is the wrong kind. So you do not judge according to what? Appearance, but judge. So it says, do not judge. And then in, after the comment says, but what? But do judge. Do not judge according to appearance, but do judge with a righteous judgment. In this one sentence, Jesus says, don't judge. And then in the same sentence, turns around and says we are to judge. He says to judge right in this way. So Jesus is saying we have a right to judge and a responsibility to judge with a righteous judgment, but not with the carping, bitter criticism of a Pharisee. So you may find it interesting to note that the word judge, here is the Greek word K-R-I-N-O, krino, in the Bible, this word is translated at least 15, maybe even 20 different ways. It has a very broad meaning. So for those of you Bible scholars out there who like to dig down in the Greek, and it's really, really not hard to do that at all like it used to be uh, because of the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. How many of y'all know about the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance? It is a concordance that's very tired. It's exhausted. No. Uh, if you want to put this book, if you want to put a good book in your library for Bible study, I would recommend this. And we probably need to put some in the bookstore. I think you can get a, a good one uh, for about 30 bucks, 20 to 30 bucks. And they're about this thick, and, and uh, they help you with the Greek. And, uh, and, and so when you understand the original language, it has a very broad meaning. We have to understand the context. When you're reading something, you have to understand the context to get its true meaning. And as we look at the context, it is, 
it is a contrast as we look at this whole context of judging rightly and wrongly, and especially in Matthew chapter 7, it is a contrast with the Pharisees. Jesus is drawing a stark difference between the way godly people are to discern and judge and evaluate and how the Pharisees did it. And so he's drawing this very clear distinction, especially here in the Sermon on the Mount. As we look at the biblical context, we know Jesus is not forbidding all judgment because he talks in so many other places of the necessity of righteous judgment. And I know I'm saying this. I know you're like, okay, I got it. I got it. But guys, I don't know really anything you need to understand more than you need to understand this in the world we live in today. Because the minute you take a stand for righteousness and purity and holiness in this world, you're going to get accused of being judgmental. So, so if you don't know what the Bible says about that, it's going to knock you for a loop, and you're going to feel guilty, and you're going to lose your confidence, and you're going to, and you're going to go, well, I don't want to be like that, and I don't want to be judgmental, and you're, become, you're going to become flabby, and you're going to become a sentimentalist because you're going to want to make everybody happy. Um, and so it's important that you understand what the Bible's saying here. So I know I'm being repetitive, but that's why. When it comes to wrong judgment, Jesus is saying, so we're talking back now about wrong judgment. Jesus is saying it is wrong when you assume other people's motives. When you see how somebody's dressed and you assume what they are. You see somebody with a tattoo and you assume what they are. That's judgmental. When you see somebody with a piercing and you make assumptions about them, that's judgmental. You say, well, I don't like it. You may not like it, but you can't assume what kind of person that is because of their appearance. That's why here at this church, we make a whole lot out of the idea that you come as you are. The dress code here is... Wear some. <laughs> and you don't judge believers the way you judge unbelievers. I know Christians who want unbelievers to act like believers before they become believers. The Bible says don't do that. We're not to assume and condemn people because of the way they look. Or because they don't look like we think they ought to look, or they don't act like or talk like the way we think they ought to. Listen to this statement right here. I really wish I'd put this in your notes, but I actually had your notes ready before I added this to the sermon. When Jesus says, judge not, here's what he's saying. This is a, this is a good statement. Do not assume negative things about people when they don't come up to your supposed self-righteous standards. Oh, is it up there? Oh, y'all got it? In your notes? I'm more brilliant than I thought I was. I might need to do a series on humility, I Okay, good, good. I'm glad I did put that in there. So mark that. Mark that. I mean, put a star by that. Do not assume negative things about people when those people don't come up to your 
supposed self-righteous standard. Jesus said, it's none of your business. And when we assume negative things about people because they don't come up to our supposed self-righteous standard, then you know what we just did? We just took on a role that is reserved for God alone. Wow. Looking up to heaven and going, God, I got this. I know who, I can tell you all about them. I. So final word on judging. Romans 14. Romans 14. In closing. Now those of you who have been coming to church for a while, tell our visitors what that means. Nothing. Nothing. But it gives you hope. In Romans 14, Paul reiterates what Jesus said. Imagine that. Paul regurgitates. Paul brings back up what Jesus taught by reminding us that this kind of judgment on another person is forbidden. This Romans 14 is about Christians judging Christians. Did y'all, y'all didn't know that goes on. Christians judging Christians. Now, this particular context is they were judging each other about what they ate. And they were also judging each other about one group felt like it isn't important because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We don't have to honor certain days we used to honor before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And uh, there was food, (laughs) excuse me, that we shouldn't eat before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that it's okay to eat now. After we're under a new covenant, so, so some of them felt like it was all right to eat meat offered to idols. Now, that, now when you hear me say that, meat offered to idols, you're like, you shouldn't eat meat offered to idols. But I got to tell you that it was not wrong to eat meat offered to idols. And, and the whole, there's a whole teaching on that in Corinthians and in Romans. And Paul... Paul called the people who thought it was a sin to eat meat offered to idols. And it doesn't say in Romans 14 that that's the particular point of contention here, but, but most scholars assume it is, or not just, not just uh, eating meat offered to idols, but just eating certain kinds of meat. Paul calls the people who understand that eating meat offered to idols is not a sin, Y'all with me? Paul calls them, do y'all remember what Paul calls them? He calls them stronger Christians. And the the people who wouldn't eat meat offered to idols because they said that just that's below my standards, he said, they said, we will not eat meat offered to idols. Paul called them weaker Christians. And we have the same thing today. We have the same thing today. A lot lot of times people will hold to things that are personal convictions for them. And if we're not really careful about that, we can get some spiritual pride about that because I don't do this. I don't do that. He does it. He does it. Do do y'all know, y'all understand spiritual pride? People who think they're more spiritual. People who think they're holier. People who've memorized a few Greek words, they've memorized a few verses in the Bible, and they're always flipping those out at you, and they use it, and it's prideful. 
Now, can I ask you a question? Is spiritual pride any different than any other kind of pride? It's what? It's a, it's wrong. It's a sin. And I see it all the time. I see spiritual pride all the time. You got to be careful with that spiritual pride. I know more than you do. I'm deeper than you are. I study more than you do. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Be careful with that. So we got some Christians who are saying, you know, they're, they're arguing at other Christians because they're eating stuff that they say, we don't think you should eat that. So they're judging the ones who are eating it. And then the ones who are eating it are judging the ones who aren't eating it, saying, uh, man, if you were free, if you understood grace, if you understood the new covenant we're under, if you understood all that, you would know there's nothing wrong with it. But that can be judgmental too. And that's what he's preaching here. So, if you'll turn your notes over, you've got the whole chapter of Romans 12, uh, 14. So what we're going to do in the time that's left is go verse by verse. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I just want to pull out some verses, and I've got this in the message. And the message is a paraphrase of the Bible. It's not a translation. It is a paraphrase of the Bible that's been translated into English. And I know a lot of people freak out and go, I just don't believe in the message. And Well, then we need to stop preaching because preaching and teaching is nothing in the world but a paraphrase of Scripture. What do I say when I preach to you? I read to you out of the New American Standard Version, which most scholars believe that's the most accurate from the original Hebrew and Greek. Most, I didn't say all. I believe it's the most accurate translation from the Hebrew and the Greek. So if I, if, I'm not, if I don't believe in paraphrasing, if I don't believe in explaining it to you, then, then what I need to do is just read out of the Bible. And really, seriously, if you want to get back to the purest form, I just need to stand up here and read the Hebrew to you. Boy, we'd be packed out today, wouldn't we? <laughs> That's Hebrew. <laughs> um, so when you read the message, have your New American Standard right there by side. You, matter of fact, there are parallel Bibles. Anybody got a parallel Bible? I got a Bible that's got four Bibles in one book. Yeah, it's a big one. It's about that thick. And when you open it up, it's got, I believe, um, King James Version and uh, I believe it's got the NIV, and then it's got the New Living Translation, and then another, and you can look at all four of those. How many of you know that helps? That helps you grow, helps you understand. So the message, I put it in the message because the message is so easy to understand. So if we got some people here today who aren't followers of Jesus, you're going to be able to understand this. If we got some people here today who are new followers of Jesus, they're going to understand it. If we got some people here who have been Christians a long, long, long time and you're deep Bible study, then you're, you're going to get this too. You just got to put the cookies down where everybody can reach them. Amen? Amen. So look at the first three verses, and that's how the message breaks it up. Y'all got your notes there? Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go home. Hallelujah. I mean, if we do that one sentence right there, we'd have some unity up in the house, wouldn't we? Can I read it again? Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they say or do, every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions, but what? Might have a strong opinion, but not know much about the Bible. See, these people who believed you couldn't eat meat offered idols had a strong opinion, but they didn't know a lot about the Bible. They didn't know a lot about the New Covenant because had they known it, they would have known you could have that filet mignon that had been offered up to that idol. That there, Paul said there's nothing in that meat that'll hurt you. There's nothing in it. Sure, it was offered to an idol. They did the wrong thing with it, but it doesn't make... It doesn't make it where you can't put it on the grill. Amen? A little garlic powder, a little salt and pepper overnight, sear it on both sides. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Are y'all with me on this? We're having some fun, but you see what's going on here? He says, remember, I love this, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them. Mm, mm, mm. How many of y'all were brought up in real, real, real legalistic churches? So when, when you're brought up in a really, really, really legalistic church, you don't get over that overnight. You continue to feel guilty about things that the Bible hasn't said you can't have. But you still feel guilty about that. And so you go to somebody's house and you refuse something or, refuse, or you disagree with them in a conversation because you still, from your what? His, history are dealing with that that was put in you all over those. Are y'all with me on this? Now, those of you who weren't brought up in legalistic backgrounds have to be gentle with those who were. You can't go to them and go, ah, stupid. That's stupid you believe that. Man, God don't care about that. You know what the Bible says, and it's in this chapter. The Bible says if you feel that something is wrong and you go against your conviction that it's wrong, then it is wrong. So, man, don't push people to go against their convictions. You remember I used the illustration the other week ago about jewelry. Let's say, let's say before you came to Jesus, you looked like Mr. T. Pity the fool. You know, you remember him? All the bling, you know. And so let's say Mr. T gets saved. Matter of fact, I heard he did get saved. Let's say Mr. T got saved and God said, I don't want you to have any bling at all until I release you to wear bling again because you worshipped it before you found me. So I want you to lay it down. How many of y'all understand what that is? That's a what? Personal conviction. 
But if Mr. T says, everybody got to take their jewelry off, then Mr. T just got legalistic on us. But it's not legalistic for him. Let's drop down to um, uh, verses 2 through 4. Look, look at the end of that section right before verse 5. Do you have, do you see, see that? Do you have any business crossing people? You see that sentence? Because it's kind of in a paragraph there under sections 2 through 4. Who's with me? Say amen. Do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? Can we do that here at the church? Can we cross people off the list? Not if we're judging righteously. Well, if we're judging righteously, actually we can't cross some people off the list because it just said mark them and avoid them, but it has to be righteous judgment. You cannot mark people off the list if you're judging unrighteously, if you're judging wrongly. So do we have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? The general answer there is no. If there are corrections to be made or manners to be learned, guess who can handle it? God can handle that without your help. Now, one of the criticisms I get here at the church from time to time is that uh, people want me to name stuff. They want me to name sins, get up and just really go, just go down the list, you know. And I do sometimes. I do name sins. But the fact of the matter is, if my focus as a pastor and teacher and preacher, if my focus toward you is to get you closer to God and there's sin in your life and you do get closer to God, guess who's going to handle that? God. And I'll tell you about legalistic churches. People come to those legalistic churches, excuse me, because they need the pastor to tell them what's right and what's wrong. Can I just say something to you? If you will walk in intimacy with God, I assure you, he will tell you what's right and what's wrong. I assure you, he will. You, look, he tells me. He tells, I'm just like you guys. I'm a sheep just like you. He uses the rod on me. He uses the staff on me when I, like sheep, wander and stray off. So God can handle that. So if I preach get right with God, if I preach walk in intimacy with God, if I preach get in your Bible, if I preach get in a small group, if I preach write notes down while I'm teaching, if I preach here's a good book, read it, and I, and I, and not just me, but the staff and all the leaders here at the church, if we lead you into an intimate, how to have an intimate walk with Jesus, if there's something in your life that ought not to be in there and you get close to Jesus, <laughs> the closer you get to the light, buddy, the more stuff shows up. So what we want to do is just get you in the light. If we get you in the light, God can handle that. Look at verse 5. Or some, or, or say one person thinks that some days should be set aside as holy, so they're dealing with the days here. Legalism of the days. And other thing, others think that each day is pretty much like any other day, which is actually the more correct view. 
He said there are good reasons either way. So each person is free to follow what? Convictions of his conscience. Now, let's, let's balance it. Some stuff's a sin for all of us. Isn't that right? If you're committing adultery, you can't come to me and go, listen, I've got with Jesus and he's cool with it. No, he's not. No, he's not. Go down to verse uh, 10, 12. See the 10, 12 section? Go down to the last sentence. I love that last sentence. You've got your hands full just taking care of your own life before God. And the people said, booyah. Verses 13, 14, look what it says. Forget about deciding what's right for each other. Here's what you need to be concerned about, that you don't get in the way of someone else making life more difficult than it already is. So in other words, get off your uh, high horse. Y'all know that's Southern. Get off, your high, get off your soapbox and deal with your house and deal with your own life. Because when you look at a person who is convicted about something that's not spelled out in the Bible, but they feel convicted about it, and you try to make them feel bad about that and say, you're weak in your knowledge of the Word, you're weak in your knowledge, you are becoming a stumbling block to that person. Now, if you want to lovingly get in a Bible study with them and walk them through that truth so that the light comes on and the Holy Spirit makes the light come on, uh, then that's fine. But you can't condemn them and go, man, you need to get in a Bible, dude. That, see, that's judgmental. We're to treat them. How did, the, how did this say we're to treat people like that? How? Gent, gently. Gently. And then those of you who, are, who, who have personal convictions, you can't impose them on other people. Because you become a stumbling block to them. Now, here's what Paul said to the guys who were eating that filet mignon that had been offered to idols. He said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, if you eating that meat offered to idols is going to make that brother who doesn't understand so much about the Bible as you do, if you're going to be a stumbling block to him, if that's going to be a stumbling block to him, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it, not because it's a sin, don't do it, but don't do it because you might cause that brother to stumble. Now, that's some love right there. Because most people I know in the church go, well, he can not do that if he wants to. I'm doing it. Oh, you know, we don't really think about loving them enough to go, you know what, if that makes him stumble, I'm, I'm just going to not do that. I'm free in myself with that, but if that makes him stumble, I'm willing to give that up. If that makes him stumble. I'm just so happy in my life that nobody thinks it's a sin to eat filet mignon. And the people said, or at least the guys said, all right. Am I making any sense today? Go to, go to the 22-23 section. 22-23, right down at the bottom. And look at that first sentence. Cultivate what? Your own relationship with God and quit trying to cultivate everybody else's relationship with God is basically what that means. Cultivate your own relationship with God, but don't what? Impose it 
on others. This help anybody? Let's uh, let's stand and let's just walk up here. Let's just walk up here. I'm going to close with prayer. But I want us to ask God to help us not to be a judgmental church. Come on. Let's, Let's all come pray as a church and ask God to help us.